Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 294, Finance Friday edition, where we interview Cecilia and talk about designing a portfolio with the end in mind. I think that's exactly where I got stuck was I started thinking I wanted something, a, a turnkey rental, a la the rent or retirement model, which is I'm just going to give you some money. Someone else is going to property manage it. Someone's going to send me a little check and it's going to be not really that much money to give you. Maybe give you 25, 40 grand at the most. And then I was like, well, wait a second. Maybe I want this thing that you just described. Maybe I want it to be in, in Palm Springs where I could Airbnb it and I can go and stay in it. But then that it is a hundred grand in or 120 grand in. So then I was like, well, oh, you okay. could have both. am I doing the right thing? And then I froze. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me as always is my Everything is a Spectrum co-host, Scott Trench. Wow, Mindy, you really um, continuum to come up with these great new <laughs> intros and adjectives for me. Scott and I are... <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or find financial flexibility, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. I like that financial flexibility. I love Cecilia's story today because she truly does have financial flexibility. She has positioned herself so that she is generating enough income that adequately covers her expenses and a whole lot more. And she's doing, she's conscious about where her money goes without depriving herself. Does she seem like she's missing out on anything? No, she seems super happy. She's doing great. I mean, she, she, she's winning and, and let's be real. She, you know, one of the reasons why she's winning is because she has a, a very strong income and then control over her expenses, right? Especially low, the, the low housing payment from having bought a place in California 12 years ago. Um, and, and has that, so she's got, she's really got a wonderful situation living in a beautiful place with that's very affordable and having plenty of income to cover that and, and continue to invest and save. So it was fun to kind of play with a very flexible position and think about how we can make it more flexible and give her even more options to get where she wants to go over the next five, 10 years. Yep. I think she's got a lot of things to think about. We gave her some, some things to look into, like, does she really want to diversify her portfolio into real estate? And if she does, what type of real estate does she want to diversify into. So let's make our attorneys happy, Scott. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I, nor Bigger Pockets, is engaged in the provision of legal tax or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal tax and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Cecilia is a 53-year-old divorced mom of two with a great start on her financial independence journey. She could be financially independent right now if she lived in a different country, but a couple of kids, a couple of jobs keep her here. She's looking for some advice about where the right place is for her to put her money. Should she keep paying down her mortgage, save for a rental property, buy a second home, etc.? Cecilia, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thank you, Mindy. Scott, so great to be here. I'm super excited to talk to you today because I think you have some fun challenges. You live in a high cost of living area known as Southern California, where everything costs more. (laughs) And then some. And then some. But in exchange for that higher dollar, you get sun all the time. It looks so beautiful behind you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's actually sunny today. So good thing it wasn't the other day. Yes, spoiled. And that becomes an anchor of some kind. But I'm, I'm definitely privileged and blessed. Yeah. So of course, right off the bat, I could say you should move and you, I could cut all of your expenses right down to nothing if you would just move to the Midwest. Let's do that. There you go. From episode 294. (laughs) There you go. And we're done. And we're done. So uh, let's look at your income and your expenses. So what is coming in and where are you putting it? Okay. So um, I have two businesses and what I do is I draw from one of them. So my um, income, um, I pull 7,900 a month. So that's um, uh, not taxed up, if that makes sense. It's just 7,900 from that business. And then from my second business over the course of the year, I tend to just skim kind of profits off of it at, at, at different timings throughout the year. And that lands me an additional anywhere from 50 to maybe even 75K that I pull from that second business, depending on how that business did that year. Great. And another word we could use for that is distribute. Um, distribute. Of course, Skim. being illegal. Yeah. Um, distribute. <laughs> I'm trying to think uh, of a smarter verb for that. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> I self-distribute at my own discretion. Yeah, perfectly ordinary way to manage your business, uh, cash flow. That's, that's great. Okay, so where does that $7,900 go? Okay, all right. So walk it through. My mortgage is about $1,600. HOA is $500. Gasoline currently is $240 a month. Uh, utilities, $268. Household, which is kind of a big bucket for me, but that's groceries. That's if we eat out. That's, you know, toilet paper, anything you get at Target, Amazon, movies, that sort of thing is $1,400 a month. Um, insurance, health insurance, dental insurance is $828. House cleaner, sometimes I turn it on, sometimes I turn it off, but we'll put $120. Um, my yoga studio gym is $122. Um, I put $550 into my after tax brokerage. Um, currently with a tutor, which will end in about six weeks, 200 bucks a month, uh, new car, new used car payment. So this one's hurting plus my car insurance is 600 a month. And then savings, I put 500 bucks just in my like kind of short-term savings. And that's if I, if I charge too much on my visa that month or something came up for the kids, or if I don't touch it, it pays for my life insurance every quarter. And then my kid's car insurance comes in like once a year. And then right now I'm paying an extra thousand dollars on my mortgage. Awesome. So you're, you're, you're doing a great amount of saving just from your W-2 income. And then on top of that, we have 50 to $75,000 after tax that we're able to um, distribute from your yeah. business. Yeah. When you say it and I hear that, it definitely sounds like a lot, but I can tell you when I first went out on my own, when I left my official W-2 job, um, so I started this business in 2016. I, I was not spending like this. There was no house cleaner, no yoga, no gym, no extra mortgage, no money saved, you name it. We went really bare bones. And as the two businesses have picked up, so I haven't been with these kinds of numbers for more than maybe two, two to three years. Okay, well, let's look at these numbers because your mortgage payment is $1,500 a month in Southern California. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. But then you look at your HOA is $500. And my first thought was, well, move. But your mortgage payment is $1,500 a month. So yeah. all in, you're at $2,000 a month. That's still in Southern California. That's like winning the lottery. Yeah, it's so, insane for a three-bedroom place. It's insane. So I just bought at the right time. House. <laughs> it's a condo. Oh. But yeah, I bought in 2000. 11. So they were just kind of starting to rise. So yeah, I'm very mm. proud of it. Anybody ask me, I'll tell them in a heartbeat what my mortgage is. I love saying that's how much it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, and because you're in Southern California, the $240 in gas is understandable. Health insurance at 828. I'm assuming that's for the whole family. Uh, me and my ex-husband each take a kid. So that's for me and one kid. And um, yeah, it's just through the exchange and has gone up every year since I've been out on my own. So I yeah. can expect that to continue. It's like yeah, 50 to hundred bucks a year. It goes up. Yep. And it will expect that. Um, your car insurance is, did you say it's your car payment too? $600? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So 150 of that is the, the new car insurance and then 450 is the new car payment. And I've had that car now for five months. Okay. And then, so with the total listed expenses, I see 7,906. And the total actual expenses when we take out the after-tax brokerage savings and the savings for your kids and the $1,000 of extra mortgage payment, I get 5,800, which is killing it in Southern California. And then if you take out, before we had this conversation, I'm like, oh, 
HOA, get rid of that. $600 for car insurance, because I didn't know that was a car payment too. Get rid of that. Health insurance, get rid of that. Like if you were living in another place that's much less expensive and you didn't have the expensive car, because I thought that was just car insurance. Like that's another $1,900 you can get rid of. So there's definitely room to improve, but also you're making a ton of money and your actual expenses are $7,900 in Southern California. I still think you're doing great. Her her actual expenses are are lower than that. Your actual expenses- Or 5,800. Yeah, because, yeah, because you're, yeah, because the extra mortgage savings and- Yeah, Yeah, the savings doesn't, it's- Roth contributions, yeah. It's an expense, but it's not an expense. It's an investment, yeah. and it's and I draw from the business. Like when you when you say my my income is seventy nine hundred a month, I draw according to this budget plan. So if I suddenly said I don't want to draw that much, I only want to draw sixty five hundred, I would just cut all of those extra cushions that I have in there. What do you do with the income from the business that isn't going into your bank account? It's sitting there. So right now, my six-month emergency reserves are in the business checking account. Um, It goes to my, obviously, expenses for the business. And then when I think it's like high enough, like... I try once I get to June or July and I feel like I know how the year is going, then I'm like, oh, I'll take five grand. Oh, like then I might start pulling it and I'll either pull it to fund my, my, um, uh, I have like, I'm weird in how I save money. I have very specific buckets of savings accounts and I have them mapped out for the next 10 years of where I want them to be. So I know, for instance, I have like a bridge, this, this, Uh, one of my after-tax brokerages is like bridge retirement. Like if I need to fund two years worth of living, I want that fund to be 175,000. For the next 10 years, I have to put 17,500 in it. And so when I start to pull money, I will fund each of those accounts according to like the map that I have for it. I'm a little weird like that, but I like seeing it in certain buckets. I like that approach. Okay. I have this goal and I have 10 years to get there. So I would like to have this much money in there. If something happens, I can divert money away and then re-divert it when it's, you know, when the, yep. the something is over. I yeah. like that idea a lot. And I, I I would like to believe that my two businesses are on a trajectory to continue at least as well as they're doing, if not better. But also I'm I I in the back of my head go, I'm like I'm the I'm the like chipmunk saving the acorns. Like, okay, I just need to have all this because if they don't do as well in four or five years, I just want to make sure I'm okay with what I'm doing. Well this is gonna be fun because you you clearly have optionality to cut back on spending if you 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 can do you can take action across really all of the major levers of personal finance here. You can spend less, you can earn more, you can you can really go all in and building your business or investing in your business, and you can change your investment allocation approach here. So um, that gives you a lot of options, which can be overwhelming, but also a lot of freedom. Which is, so yeah, always better to have more options than fewer. Where's that money being invested? Uh, that's that's a good question. Um, so in the traditional IRA, most of it is in VTSAX. Um, I do have that with some percentage, maybe 15 or 20% in bonds, just because I feel like I should be, but I, I know how some people feel about bonds. Um, m- most everything actually that's, I keep all this money in Vanguard. So the SEP, the the, the IRAs, the Roth, the after-tax, they're all in Vanguard. If, if you aggregated those, 
a lot of it is a VTSAX. And just because everybody's read that book and I decided I wasn't smart enough and I, I just, that's where I put it. But there, there are a few other things. There's some bond funds in there and there's some, um, like there's a little bit of VTI and maybe some other things I've kind of heard about and I put it in, but, but mostly it's in these index funds. How much is in retirement accounts and how much is outside of that from your investment portfolio? Um, the traditional IRAs is a retirement account. The SEP is, um, so if I add that up, 188 plus it's 196 might be outside of retirement accounts. Great. And then that, that gives us right? like uh, 680, 700,000 inside of the retirement accounts. Yeah. I have other savings accounts that I'm not adding into that. So in the retirement accounts is f f uh, 587 plus 70. So that's 650, 655, something like that. And then the rest is in a non-retirement account. Savings, random savings accounts, after-tax brokerages. 650 and 320. Yeah. Your business emergency fund. I'm interested in that because I think that is it just sitting in a cash account or a high yield savings account or is it it's just in my business checking okay and it's it's um yeah so again I don't know what what the safe number is I have I love to have at least three months in there and then lately it's been getting to six months or seven months um, and then by the end of the year, it's, it tends to be a lot, but that's why I'm, tr I'm trying to get smarter about like, if I pull money off of it, I keep, I keep three to, to six months of my income pull in that account. First of all, is that the smartest place to keep it? But where, where am I putting the rest of the money? Because otherwise, if I don't have a purpose for it, then Cecilia has a new patio. She has like, you know, th then I'm start I'm buying things and I don't, I don't want to be doing that every year. Awesome. Well, I, um, okay. So, so we, we've got our investments. We've got, um, like 970,000 or so in these investments. Um, and we've got three months emergency reserve, six months emergency reserve in the business account, some other cash sprinkled across a couple of other accounts. And then the rest is in basically index funds or similar types of investments, bond investments across both after-tax and retirement account portfolios. Correct. What about property? You have, you have a home. Um, Correct. What, what, other, what can you tell us about that and any other assets you have? Yep. So um, I, I have a condo that I refinanced during COVID that is a 20 year mortgage. So I'm maybe a year into that crazy property value in California right now. Um, so what is that? I maybe five thirty in um, in value. So I I owe two sixty eight, and the value is at seven ninety six right now, which is insane. Um, those that's my really my only asset. I mean, I have this car, but the decision was I was supposed to pay this car off. I bought it, and then I said in March you're going to pay it off, and then I got to March, and I was like, well maybe that money to pay the car off should be going somewhere else. And then that hence led me to this call with you all, which is what's the smartest thing to do with maybe, you know, 20 or $30,000. Okay, great. So we have a, we have a net worth somewhere in the ballpark of 1.5 million. Um, when we add in the house to this, give or take the car, um, <laughs> on that. Yeah. Great. And, and most the, the majority of that net worth 560 is in your home equity. And then another five, 600,000 is in retirement accounts with that. So at least two thirds, probably a little bit more, maybe 70, 75% is in retirement accounts or home equity. Correct. Okay, great. 
And what are, what can you, can you refresh us on your goals? How would, how, what's the best way we can help you today? Where the, the, the quandary that I'm stuck in is there's this, there's these buckets of money that I have to be, to do a few things with pay down the mortgage, pay off the car, or should I be getting an investment property and be figuring out a different way to diversify how I'm investing? And when I started to go down that route, where I got stuck was, um, am I going to buy a place that's, you know, in the Midwest in or in the South in Alabama or Ohio or Indiana, all these places people are buying rental properties, or should I be buying it at a place that I might actually want to live someday or visit someday? Um, maybe Palm Springs or somewhere in Colorado. Like then I, I, I got stuck because when I start thinking of those secondary places that I might actually want to live or stay, those prices are entirely different than some of the just straight out rental income properties in other places. So um, a little bit of direction on where where could some smart places for this money to go be, if that was a sentence. And then um, tax strategies. I'm just really curious. My, my oldest um, child just came off my taxes as a dependent this year, which was painful. And, and, and my mortgage interest really isn't that much. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what are some ways I can have some, some tax strategy, tax savings, and that a rental property might be the answer. What, um, do you, can you, can you give us a little bit more clarity on like your long-term goal? What, what, what's the outcome that you're trying to back into, you know, a few years down the road? Uh, a few years down the road. So I envision myself in anywhere from, I don't know, four to six ish years being able to be remote with both of my businesses. I do training and a huge majority of it is online. And so if I have great Wi-Fi, I can, I can go live and work anywhere. And so I, I want to be able to take mini sabbaticals and go to either another country or another state and maybe Airbnb for a month or spend the summer in Spain or so that flexibility um, I have the funds I could go do that now, but at some point I want to make sure that my investments aren't all in the same exact thing. And that perhaps rental property might get me some supplemental income that if my expenses, let's say they actually truly are 5,800 well, is there a way I could make that 3,800 and be bringing in a little bit of money to just carve off of what that monthly expenses are. Awesome. So I, 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 I might simple, I might try to simplify that for me in the terms of you want to have a more flexible financial position in the, the, or the most flexible position you can reasonably get to in a four to six year period call five years. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Let, let me just observe a couple of things that I've heard so far about your position and see what, see what you think about those observations. Um, Right now, you are you you are doing great from an income perspective. It sounds like this is relatively new in the last two years, where the income has been um, this strong. And you also are very optimistic about the prospects of the, of, the, of of your businesses. You've got control over your expenses. Um, there's nothing crazy going on, but you have layered in a couple of luxuries because you're doing well, and you can clearly afford to with that, and still maintain a very strong savings rate on just your income. And not to mention the skimming or distributions from your your main business there. Um, yes. And then you haven't really, I think, made up your mind about what you want to do from an investment perspective, which is why you put some each month towards your uh, your Roth IRA, and why you pay an extra thousand dollars to the mortgage each month, and then sprinkle in other investments down down the pipeline. 
Is that, is that, are those fair observations? Right. So definitely want to be smarter about where that money is going. Cause I feel like I'm making it up. And then I, I also think you have, um, um, you're, you're doing great with all of this, but I also think you're, you're, you're complicating some of the things around how you think about your cash position. I love that, that concept, but you're, you have all these different buckets going in there. How much total cash do you have right now? How are you defining cash? Like, like is my after-tax brokerage considered cash? No, no. I, this no. is money no, no, that will okay. be in your bank accounts, checkings or savings accounts, okay. including your business account and any uh, household or oh. savings accounts that you have there. Um, over over a hundred thousand. I mean, okay, you have over a hundred. So, so yeah. I think I think just saying that. And, and acknowledging that is very freeing to a certain degree, right? There's, you know, <laughs> you, 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 I think there's like, I think it's just like, okay, great. I've got a hundred thousand dollars in cash. I don't have to worry about like this bucket not being full or that bucket not being full. Like cash is cash. We can allocate it across different things here. And that's, that should be plenty to cover your business, personal life, emergencies, a big trip or two or five or 10. And, you know, a couple, any, any other incidentals that might come up and give you a lot of optionality around, around moving other things around. So I would encourage you just at a highest level to, to consider reframing the cash question and just thinking about your total cash, cash position like that, keeping some in the business, some in the personal, and just say, my pile is plenty large right now. What do I want that pile to be at? And everything on top of that, I'm going to sweep out, right? And that, yeah. that'll, that'll, that'll help you with clarity for your business account too. You can just say, Great. I'm going to target 30 grand or 40 or whatever it is you want. And whenever it's above that, I'm just going to sweep it and put it into these investments um, down the line. I think I, th I would encourage you to get to a structure like that because it'll make all this decision making really easy for you. That is one of the things okay. that I was going to suggest is a research opportunity. Sit down and think, how much money do I need in the business to feel like it's got a fully funded emergency fund? And how much do I need in my personal to feel that I am fully funded there? Because I think that you've got all of that available. I don't think you're going to have to save for your emergency funds. You may have to not skim off the top for a couple of months to make sure that they're totally capped off. Um, but once you have a, yeah. a, a decision on you know what you feel comfortable with, then you can look at what's on top of that. And that's that's a really personal decision. If it's three months or six months of business expenses, great. That's your choice. And you can do that because you're the boss. And, you know, another thing to look at is how stable is your job and how predictable is the year? Does your emergency reserve kind of dip in January because nobody's hiring you until the end of March when it pops back up again and that's the same pattern over and over again. Great. It's okay that your reserves go down in January because in March you're swimming in the cash. You can replenish it. Or is it more of a, I really do need to keep this in here because I never know what's going to happen. Um, and either answer is fine. It's just, you know, this is something that you're going to have to answer. Um, you said that you're, you're not sure if your investments are all the same and they kind of are because they're all in the stock market and they're all basically index funds, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, if you read that book, I'm assuming you're talking about the simple path to wealth by JL Collins, which is the one that preaches VTSAX. JL Collins is a smart guy. He's done a lot of research. It's kind of a proven method of the simple path to wealth is investing in VTSAX. So that's not a bad choice. But if you want to diversify your funding, your holdings, 
rental real estate is a really great way to diversify. Now, do you want to be a landlord? Do you want to have a Midwest property empire that you are responsible for? Do you want to, you had mentioned traveling around and getting something that you can use. You can't use a property that you're renting out long-term, but you can use an Airbnb property when you feel like it. And when you don't feel like using it, you just stick it back up on Airbnb and it rents really quickly. I mean, try to find one right now. It's really hard. I think that's exactly where I got stuck was I started um, thinking I wanted something, a a turnkey rental, a la the rent or retirement model, which is I'm just going to give you some money. Someone else is going to property manage it. Someone's going to send me a little check and it's going to be not really that much money to give you, maybe give you 25, 40 grand at the most. And then I was like, well, wait a second. Maybe I want this thing that you just described. Maybe I want it to be in in Palm Springs where I can Airbnb it and I can go and stay in it. But then that is a hundred grand in or 120 grand in. So then I was like, am I doing the right thing? And then I froze. Well, let me ask you this. If you had $1.5 million today, how would you invest it? You could have both. You could have your turnkey property and your rental real estate. Uh, And just because you have currently stock market investments doesn't mean that you can't transfer those into rental real estate or, you know, diversify your portfolio by taking some of this and, you know, selling it and buying a rental property. Um, Read the reviews on these turnkey properties and see if that's something that you really want to hop on biggerpockets.com and read about, you know, my worst landlording story. Because sometimes it's enough to read that story and be like, nope, I'm good. I don't want to do that. And sometimes you can't be swayed. Heck no. If you can be swayed by one story, then landlording is not for you. But if you are able to just keep going, like if you're still excited about it, grab a property and, you know, do the research and all of that. Of course, we're not diving into all of those numbers right now. But, you know, when you get a property that works as a rental property, it generates cash and it's a really great investment. And when you get an Airbnb property, you can go and use it and check it out. And, oh, you know what? This isn't for me. I don't like this anymore. So I'll disagree slightly with 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 this on the Airbnb side, um, not not in a big way. But my my belief is that um, you know I I like to vacation in Colorado ski towns and the and, and that kind of stuff. I I feel that the odds of getting a great investment return in those areas are lower than the odds of getting a great investment return in the area that I know best, which is Denver or a market that I'm selecting for the maximum possible returns. And my philosophy is I'm going to go and put my money in the place where it's going to perform the best. And then I'm going to spend it <laughs> in the areas that I want to go and, and be in um, with that. Because even if I have an Airbnb in, you know, uh, you know, Beaver Creek or Avon out there and um, and I go and stay in it, I'm forfeiting the 2000 or whatever yeah. it would be for the week that I would Airbnb, I would I would be generating in revenue um, from that. So that's how I like to look at it is is I'm going to go wherever I think the best long-term returns are going to be. And I'm just going to spend it on my lifestyle uh, whenever I want to go and travel. And I worry that these, some of these places that, you know, that happen to be your favorite or my favorite place to go are very good at extracting money from people who do not live in those areas and had own property or visit those areas, <laughs> um, which is probably part of the reason why they're so fun to visit. Okay. That's a good point. 
And I will say that I have been speaking with um, an agent up in the mountains because, of course, I would love to have a, a rental property up in the mountains. And he's been saying, look, they don't cash flow right now. You buy it, assuming that it's going to appreciate but you're paying taxes, you're paying your mortgage, you're, this is a investment that's costing you money every month. So there are secondary locations. If you don't, if you want to be, I don't even know where Palm Springs is. I know it's in California and that's, (laughs) (laughs) but like, is it on the beach? I don't know. If you want to be like San Diego on the beach, that's going to cost you a lot more than you're going to generate, but it's also going to appreciate faster. But inland might be still a nice place or, you know, up in the mountains of California where it's not really a ski place, but it kind of is. Or, you know, I'm up in Colorado near Rocky Mountain National Park. You can get a decent property near-ish Rocky Mountain National Park that could be a great Airbnb property that could cash flow, but it isn't, you're not going to get the ski people coming in and it's not going to, maybe it's not rented every single weekend. So there's secondary markets that could be cool if that's where you want to be. But like Scott said, if it's not a place that you want to visit, then maybe it's not really worth buying the Airbnb because it's, it's a higher income, but it's a lot more expenses and it's a lot more like, I don't want to say hassle, yeah. but hassle with the cleaners and, you know, people that don't leave on time and lots of things. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. You're trying to save, trying to invest, but your bank account is stuck. How about we get rid of some of those unused subscriptions you forgot about? Trust me, with Rocket Money, it's easy. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Take control over your subscriptions and cancel your unused ones with just a few taps. Create a custom budget, view spending habits, and let Rocket Money negotiate to lower your bills for you. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. I used to think working from home was the dream, until it wasn't. Between the distractions and the solitude, I was struggling. But then I discovered Industrious Office, and honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments, and the workspace? It's not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com slash industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com slash industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious. It's where your best work happens. Let me, let me try a thought exercise here going back a second. So I asked, you know, $1.5 million, you know, what would you want it to be? And I'll, I'll just take a stab at this personally and see, and, and, and see if, see if you react, right? I'm, I'm in, I'm in your shoes. Okay. I have, I just have 1.5 million in cash. How do I allocate it? Uh, right now I have none of these accounts or whatever, and I'm on to be as, as flexible as possible in 1.5 years from now. Right. Well, I'm, I'm probably thinking I want to have, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put a third of it to a half of it in real estate, um, to, to some capacity. And I'm going to have uh, a, a number of properties probably levered at 50-50 or something like that, 50 debt, 50% debt, 50% equity, um, which is nice and conservative um, from a debt financing perspective, but not, um, but still allowing me to get some leverage on that. And that should generate a, a good amount of cash. Let's call it a, a you know, a 600,000 in equity. Um, so that's 1.2 million in property. Um, Maybe I'm getting a, a 10% cash on cash or an 8% cash on cash return, which is forty to $50,000 a year. Um, maybe that's ambitious. Maybe it's, maybe it's 35, 40,000 from that, right? Then I'd probably have um, after-tax stocks, maybe two or 300,000 and stocks in retirement accounts, maybe two or 300,000 and a little bit of home equity and 150 to $100,000 in cash, right? And, and from there, I'd be expanding each of those, those piles um, pretty you know, that gives me 50, my investments are half in stocks, half in equity, some yeah. of which are in retirement accounts, some of which aren't. I've got a good conservative cash cushion and some home equity. Um, since, you know, you, you have, you, you know, uh, a lot of people like to own their homes um, with that. And so that would be, you know, what, what is, what's your reaction to a portfolio like that? For me, I think deep down, I am anchored in stability. So I like the idea of there's multiple places that they are, and some of them I don't, I wouldn't have to think about, and I can just leave alone. So the money for me that's in my IRA, it's like I'm not putting more into that account. It's fine if I do the rule of seventy-two. I can see that that account in the next ten to twenty years is fine, and I'm fine. The, the other two, then, then I think I get into if it's real estate. Is it, am I doing it for the money or am I doing it because I really want to be flexible? I want to travel and I want to be remote. So those are, those have two different avenues to them. And I think actually, if I hear myself say it out loud, it's, I want to be flexible and I want to travel. So maybe it's the money that I would have put down on an Airbnb is my travel fund or is my build it up to 
buy that second place that I could rent if I wanted to, but it's not its primary purpose. Great. Well, let me ask you a question on that. Um, when you say flexibility, you know, I, 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 I think that real estate's a spectrum, right? So if, if I'm buying an air, if I'm buying and operating an Airbnb, um, that's a lot of work. <laughs> um, you can buy and operate and then stabilize an Airbnb so that you have a, a, a you know, a system to manage it like Ziana McIntyre does. Um, you can also buy a turnkey property, you know, with a property manager, give them some money. And, and, you know, in this case, in the hypothetical situation I just articulated, give the, you know, buy 600,000 worth of real estate, either in one location that's remote or multiple locations and have property management overseeing them, making that largely passive um, to some degree, or you yeah. can do anything kind of really in between there. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I like the second one, probably. I mean, at the end of the day, do I want to be a property yeah. manager? No. <laughs> I, I would rather write the check to someone and know it's taken care of. Um, but I, maybe I just need to get clear on what's the end yeah. goal. So if, if you can think, hey, in five years, I want my portfolio to look like this. That's flexibility to me. Then you can back into that. Yeah. My my instinct is that right now your portfolio is not going to deliver that flexibility, and you have the you have the ability to transform that easily over the next five years. But right now, if you keep doing what you're doing with where where your where your money's going is every month you're putting a thousand dollars towards the extra toward the mortgage. You're continuing to expand your cash position, and you're not you don't really have a formal investment plan behind where that that sweep is coming, which is the majority of your invested dollars each year, most likely. Um, and if you can put that yeah. together and say, my ideal portfolio looks like this in five years, it's two and a half million or 2.25, um, or whatever it is that, I, that I'm going to target between a, appreciation, of my current assets, and then the extra savings I'm going to generate, and then just begin making that happen. You can think, great. And, you know, and two point, you know, and two, uh, that $2.2 .2 million portfolio, it should look like 800,000 in real estate equity, 800,000 in stocks, you know, for, uh, 150,000 in cash, 400 in my home equity, whatever that is. Um, that's how you can begin backing into that. And flexibility means whatever it means to you. So that might be a hundred percent in stocks that I don't have to worry yeah. about at all. Uh, and no real estate, or it might be something like what I just articulated there. But right now, if you keep doing what you're doing, your portfolio is going to look like a million dollars in retirement accounts, $950,000 in your home equity and $400,000 in other in cash and other stocks. And I don't think that is going to get you the flexibility yeah. that you're looking for from that. So that's, that's the change that I would encourage to some degree is, is to begin allocating the dollars in a way that will get you, that will back you into that portfolio that, that meet that's, that says flexibility to you. Yeah. 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 Which I kind of thought I was doing, but it, it, it doesn't sound the same. Like I, I thought through where do I want to be in 10 years and what is each of these buckets? What do I want each of these buckets mm -hmm. to look like? So if I left that IRA alone and just let it do its thing for 10 years, well, we can assume that that's going to double. And then the SEP, if I imagined based on how much I've put into it each year, what is 10 more years of contribution? But then when we get to the after-tax brokerage, it's was that earmarked for something? Should I be using that for real estate? Some of them don't really have a particular end in mind versus the number's just going to grow. And then, right? So just being more purposeful, I think, with the the, the more flexible yep. buckets. One of the tools that I have is, is I have a, a written investment plan because as much as I talk about this stuff, I get shiny object uh, object syndrome um, like anybody else and get excited about this, this, and the other thing. Um, so the fact that I have a written plan that I'm able to review with my wife at our money date 
um, keeps it like, okay, great. We got extra cash that is going here. That is going here. I'm on track to buy the next rental property this year with that. And so I think that will be really helpful um, as well because, and, and again, the, the biggest one I would, that, that stands out to me is the extra mortgage of a thousand dollars. You know, you already have $560,000 in equity in your home, right? And <laughs> in 10, 10 years, you might have the mortgage down to $50,000. That's great, right? But if your goal is to pay off the house, pay it off, right? And, 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 and apply the, the, ca the cash that. that, that can be incredibly freeing. If it's not, don't pay it off <laughs> um, and put it into the investment that you're intentionally picking with that. But right now, I, I just, I like this kind yeah. of like partway approach is saying to me that the flexibility is just not going to come from this financial position until, you know, that until 15, 17 years happen or wh however long it, it will take you to pay it off with a 20 year mortgage and the extra thousand there. So I'd either like, like that's where your investment philosophy can help you make that decision. You can be like, I'm going to either yeah. go all in and pay that off, which is an event. An event will happen at the end of that where everything is super flexible. Um, or I'm going to put it in this, these other stocks and it's going to appreciate and I'm going to get a better, I might mathematically get a better return if the market does reasonably well, but I'm not going to have that event. And, you know, there's trade-offs behind that. Yeah. You're echoing what swirls yeah. around in my head, <laughs> which is like, why am I paying this mortgage? Like it, it sounds to be like, I'm, I'm slated to turn, to pay off this mortgage when in 10 years, when I'm 63. And it just sounded so beautiful to be 63 and not have a mortgage. And then I was like, oh my God, my interest rate is so low. Why, why am I putting that money there? Well, then I should just pay off this car. But what, what if I put this money towards the car? I'm not getting I'm not getting like a monthly check. What if I took that same money and bought a rental property and then I'm getting a monthly check that I could use to pay off the car? Like I, I just got caught in this yeah, mousetrap. I, I think if you write it out, so you'll be able to go down a list. And I, I would, I would feel, I would feel personally better about kind of going all in on like this year, I'm going to like next, I'm going to pay off the mortgage in two years because I want to pay it off or I'm not, I'm going to stop paying anything extra and I'm going to put it all into the next rental property that I'm going to buy um, with this place. And in, 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 uh, 10 years, I'm going to still have a mortgage balance, but I'm going to have 600,000 in real estate equity because it's all going into down payments in those, in, into, in my rental property portfolio equity, yeah. because it's all going into that, or I'm going to put it into index funds or I'm going to invest in my business because my business can grow. Um, but like, if you can, <laughs> if you can pick those things and write them down, I, I just think that this like partway approach that you're taking right now is going to end up in a position where you're going to have yeah, one point two million in home equity. If 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 things double as you as you hope over the next ten years, uh, I'm sorry, one point two million in your stock portfolio, um, mostly in retirement accounts. Um, if you continue doing what you're doing, and then another um, nine hundred or nine fifty in your home equity, and then not much else anywhere else. And again, that to me is that's yeah. that's actually probably pretty flexible at that point. Very simple, paid off property lots of stock equity and, and your business, but it, it, I don't know. Is that, is that what you want? Nothing, nothing wrong with that outcome. So I'm going to play the, what would I do if I was the Celia game now? <laughs> okay. Because Scott, Scott said what he was going to do. If I had 1.5 million, here you go, Mindy, here's 1.5 million. I would probably park it in VTSAX or my husband would be like, no, let's put some in Tesla and QQQ because that's his like favorite thing right now, VTI and, you know, but basically the stock market, it has done very well for us. 
Also, my husband does a lot of research on tech stocks. That is his thing. He's not buying um, automotive industry. He's not buying airlines. He's buying tech stocks because that's where he just loves to research. So that's probably what we would do. But because I am the real estate person that I am, I would make a list of the cities that I would consider Airbnb traveling to and make a list of the cities that I would consider owning real estate in outside of Southern California. Places like Iowa, because I always ride Ragbri every year, or Ohio, because my mom lives there, or you know, Minnesota, because my cousin lives there. Or, you know, if you've got somebody local that you can trust, that's really valuable. And there mm-hmm. are several cities in the Midwest that all have about the same returns. Indianapolis, all the ones in Ohio, Kansas City, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. So if you know somebody there, that's a really great place to put on your list. If you don't know anybody there, maybe skip it because there's other cities that offer similar returns. Um, And then I would find an agent in each one of those cities that I had on my list and say, I would like you to set me up with a search. This is what I'm looking for. I may or may not be making a purchase. I just want you to put me into a list on the MLS. And I'm a real estate agent. This takes me maybe 10 minutes if I have to reset my uh, password, which they always make me do and I hate. (laughs) It doesn't take a lot of time to set somebody up to get a list, an automated list. And, you know, give them a maximum price that you want to pay. Give them a minimum bed amount and, you know, minimum bathrooms, whatever, like very minimal search criteria and just see what's coming up. Oh, absolutely nothing comes up. Well, I guess that I'm not going to invest in this city. Or holy cow, 5,000 properties came up. I guess this is a really great city to dive a little bit deeper in or narrow my search. And until you can start to get an idea of what the market is in... For you, I would say A properties, A A A class, sorry, I was going to say A plus, A class properties are what you want because you don't want the hassles. You don't want to deal with problems. You want to set it and forget it. It's going to be easiest to find a property manager to take care of your properties when you have an A, A class property. So make a list of cities that you want to Go and get an Airbnb and make a list of cities that you want to, yeah. that you know people in or would, you know, be interesting for you to own properties in and just start from there and see what is the market there. Maybe the market is so hot that you're like, mm, I'm out, but maybe the market yeah. is reasonable and, you know, California money coming into other states, you see these properties, you're like, really? That's all that it costs? <laughs> you're like, I'll write you a check. I'm um, in Colorado when I say the same thing. <laughs> Um, I forget if it was during the pandemic, it, it might've been 2019. I, I, um, decided that at least every year, and I haven't made good since this first one, I was going to go and stay at an Airbnb in a city that I was curious about. So I, I started on that track. I went to Boise and I rented a place for a week. I was like, what's the deal with Boise? Why is everyone from California moving to Boise? I got to check Boise out. Um, I think I'm probably priced out of it now, but I, I, went and I looked and like, what is it about here? What is the downtown? Like, what is the outdoors? Like, could I see myself staying here? So I, I, I like your advice of what, what else is on that list for me to go and explore and get a feel for and see what it's like. 
Another thing I want you to do is, can you automate any part of your business? We were talking before we started and you do coaching is a good general uh, category for your business, right? Coaching? Uh, Probably more trading, but training and coaching. Training, I'm sorry, training. And is there anything that you can automate? Can you sit down and make just a world-class video that helps take some time off your plate? Maybe your introduction video or, you know, week three of your training program is always going to be the exact same thing and it's not going to change. So you can sit down and automate what you're doing. Even if it doesn't seem automated when you're presenting it, you can automate yourself so that maybe you're at a place that doesn't have super amazing internet, but that doesn't matter because somebody that you have hired, like a virtual assistant or an assistant that is now running the company while you're off traipsing around all these Airbnbs that you want to <laughs> test out, um, can can take care of the situation and pull you out of it. With your training, it sounds like you're doing it live all the time. And if you're doing it live, then you can't delegate that to somebody else. Yeah, no, no, that's a great idea. I do have one online course and I think that is the goal. We're, we're, we're um, it do, it's done quite well during covid so the plan is what else can we create that is automatic, automated and, and roll people in and it's not attached to my face and my time. Um, so yes, more of that. Awesome. I, I think Mindy, Mindy's suggestions were great there from the real estate perspective with that to, to test that out. And then you yeah. can just decide uh, if you like, if you want that to be a part of your portfolio or not. You don't have to be sure about that future state portfolio today. You just have to move towards working towards what you think that optimal thing looks like and then begin yeah. taking the, the steps to, to, to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I honestly, I think it's more about the places I might want to go and spend time in than it is Cecilia's owns rental property and ha- has a property manager. And every once in a while, someone sends me a check for 200 bucks. Like, well, I don't really know what that gets me. So being able to have a place where it's like, Hey, and I could go, I could go to Boise or I could go to Colorado or I could go to, you know, may, maybe a different part of California that I'd want to go to and spend a week, a couple times a year. That's, that sounds like it's more, more of interest to me. Test it out. Where, where exactly do you live in, in Southern California? I live in Orange County. Okay. Is it like near, like what, near one part. of the, it's halfway between LA and San Diego, like San Clemente so like or... beach. Yeah. Yeah. I live about seven minutes from San Clemente. Awesome. So you live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, (laughs) and, 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 uh, your home or condo is probably also a great Airbnb. (laughs) Um, well, yeah, you can't, you can't Airbnb in my community. I think it's 30 days or more, but that's, I feel like one of the challenges I have, which is, man, if I cash this place out, you know, I, I could retire tomorrow. I go to, go to, whatever, Colombia or Panama city in Portugal and I'm done. But I think this property is going to be an amazing long-term rental. Yeah. I mean, I the think rental prices you know, like I, are insane. I, I at some point will spend a few months in San Clemente or one of those places just to like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. if I want to live there long-term, but it is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, and yeah. so you've got to play maybe the short, the medium term rental, um, where you have somebody rented out for a month, um, is a great way to, to, to fund, um, some of those Airbnb experiences as well um, while you're traveling and, and picking the locations that you do want to buy in. Yeah. Yeah. So swapping time, getting someone to stay here for a month or three months while I go somewhere else for a month or three months. Yeah. That would, that would help you because 
again, you, you have this enormous asset. It's a 30-year financial position that is is not being harnessed right now for, in pursuit of that flexibility. If you, it, would, it will probably cost you, you know, less than $10,000, you'd think, to reset or reframe or block off a section or whatever it is of your house to make that an available opportunity if you're, if you're really planning on doing lots more travel and flexibility. Yeah. And sometimes I get tempted by that equity too, to have, have that equity work for me and like, gosh, could I, uh, <laughs> borrow fund skim that equity and do something with it as well. Sure. You can, although a home equity line of credit, I like to say is a short-term solution, short-term funding solution. Scott likes to say that yeah, too. Well, that's where I was kind of talking about earlier. If, if I was kind of redesigning the position from scratch for me, I would be thinking six, you know, uh, 600,000, 700,000 real estate, another, that, that amount again in stocks and bonds, one or $200,000 in home equity, maybe fifty dollars to $100,000 in cash, rounding out and, and a, that stock position across both tax advantaged and after-tax um, accounts there. And so that would be, you know, that would be like, again, one starting framework. You don't have to take that one um, to think about the position. And that would, you know, great. If I wanted to get there tomorrow with your position, I would cash out, refi the house, use that to, to buy um, some, some rental properties there generate that cash flow and, and, and go. That that might be a really scary move um, because of the way that you've set up your position or not appropriate for, for various reasons. But that would be how that would be that would be the position I'd be thinking about building towards if I was starting from scratch. It's the position I tried to build for myself um, when I got yeah. started. Oh I, I like considering that definitely because um, when I think about paying the mortgage off or not, it contradicts me saying I'm in the hottest rental market. I could rent this condo out so easily for so much money. And then I'm like, why wouldn't I just get someone else to pay that mortgage down? Like, why am I paying it down? So if I refinanced and took money out, my mortgage, God forbid, went from $1,500 to what, $2,000? Uh, and then someone else down the line is paying that off for me. Then I'm like, okay, Cecilia, what are you doing? Like, th there's probably something smarter there. If I was, if I was going to be Cecilia, I wouldn't pay a dime towards that. 2.625% mortgage rate that you have. I wouldn't pay a dime extra. I would keep it as is. I, I, I agree completely. Unless my goal was, I'm going to pay this thing off. And now my mortgage is zero. <laughs> I'm just paying prop taxes and insurance um, on that thing. And I'm going to use the asset as an Airbnb. It's not the most optimal way to drive return on equity necessarily, but it's very freeing to have no mortgage. So no, no wrong answer. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of part way in, part way out uh, with the way you're, where you're handling your mortgage. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I got to put in both pots. <laughs> there's indecision there and there's no wrong answer with that. There's this, the, you know, there's the math and there's the safety. And that's it. I think what I'm, what I'm pretty good at is once I decide what I want to do, um, I do have discipline to, to hit towards it. So um, me deciding, okay, this is a 10 year plan. This is what you're doing. We funded it last year. We funded it the year before. Like, okay. So now I think once I um, work on crafting a, writ a written plan and putting it down, incorporating exactly what is my goal, then I think it's easy for me to make a decision like that and, and stick with it. So it's the, uh, you know, the vacillating when I'm, when I'm stewing over things that gets me. But once I decide, I think it's, it works. Awesome. Well, let's recap what we kind of we've kind of talked about today. You, you have optionality across spending, across earning more income. You're, I'm sure you're doing what you what you can be to continue to advance the income for your from your business and your um, your job. I think that uh, you're you're crushing it. You've got a 1.5 million dollar net worth. Lots of good options and all that. And the biggest thing is 
is uh, getting more decisive and crystal clear about that future state portfolio that you want, which may take time, may take a few months and some iterations to, before you get to where you're feeling comfortable. But once you do that, then taking all of your surplus cash and moving very methodically down that list of priorities to get to your, your desired future state. Yep. I think we have a couple of research opportunities to look into places to live and what your end goal is. I think that you also have kind of decided that maybe being a landlord isn't the top choice for you. So traipse around and check out different Airbnb properties and see, you know, the, the cities that you like and see, you know, are there secondary cities that might make a good income and also be a place that you want to spend time. But I think you have yeah. a lot of good options ahead of you. And now it's just like, which one of these amazing 50 options do I choose? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they involve traipsing, I think I'm in. There you go. <laughs> I'll make that the Thanks headline. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I think the travel bug, you know, the, I think maybe as a parent, when you see the kids ready to just take their wings and fly, and then you're like, that's so freeing for them. And you're like, wait, it's so freeing for me. <laughs> Where can mama go? Exactly. Okay. Well, Cecilia, thank you so much for your time today. This was super fun and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much, Scott. Many appreciate it. Okay, Scott, that was super fun. That was Cecilia and her super awesome position. And I think that we gave her a lot of wonderful things to think about. The research opportunities into, does she want to do real estate as a landlord or real estate as an Airbnb proprietor? Is that the right word? Um, does she want to truly diversify her portfolio or does she just want to traipse around the world staying in Airbnbs as she Airbnbs her own place? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Cecilia has a strong, flexible position. She spends less than she earns. She has op optionality to flex up on the income front, flex down on the spending front, and transform her portfolio and think about how she wants to invest across various asset classes. And worlds are oysters. So she's got all the options in the world. I think she's going to do a really good... Yeah, I, I, she has a bright future ahead of her. And I think she just needs to get really clear about what she wants, when she wants it, and what portfolio she's going to design to get there. Because right now, I think the portfolio, um, in spite of her great strategy, I think it's happening to her rather than she's actively shaping it the way that she wants with an end, with an end state focus in mind. Yeah, but it's got a pretty good uh, end result so far. She's doing pretty good with that. Absolutely. You know, Scott, sometimes when you have so many options, it can be a little bit uh, daunting. So I think we gave her a lot of a lot of great things to choose from today. A lot of things to think about, a lot of things to contemplate. I'm also excited. Maybe we can have her back and talk about her business. I'm excited about the opportunities for her to remove herself from her business, generate even more income, and then maybe not even worry about the Airbnb and the real estate. You know, I just thought of something. I think this would be a fun thing for the Facebook group. Um, let's start a thread. Um, and I would like to, you, you guys heard mine. I would like to hear what your ideal $1.5 million portfolio would look like if you could just start with a blank sheet of paper and allocate 1.5 million bucks across various asset classes. What would what would you do um, uh, with that? And I'd love to hear, I think that would be a good discussion and, and see what people think. Well, JT, I am going to actually remember to put this in the Facebook group. I'm going to make a calendar invite so I don't forget. So in the Facebook group, you will find a question at the very top at facebook.com slash groups slash 
BP Money, what would your ideal $1.5 million portfolio look like? How would you allocate it into what asset classes? And if you're going to talk about, oh, I'd put it into real estate, tell us what location you're investing in real estate in and what type of real estate you are investing. Okay, Scott, I think that's a great question. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing what the what the uh, the responses there are. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Okay, are you ready to get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 294 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, catch you on the rebound, hound. reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the bigger pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.